0: Welcome back to Episode 7 of the Rosterwatch Podcast. My name is Alex Dunlap, here with Byron Lambert. As always, the Rosterwatch Podcast is brought to you by Rosterwatch.com. If you like the podcast, please, in iTunes, go give us a rating and or review. Same thing goes for Stitcher. But Byron, I have good news to start the podcast. Would you like to hear it in the midst of this free agency madness? Of course. We have enough uh, reviews now on iTunes to where a five star review shows up for Roster Watch.
1: I love when Roster Watch Nation mobilizes uh, and unites.
0: That they, they still can't be done though. I'm pretty sure that there's only five to seven uh, people who've ranked it. I know there's many more people who listen to this podcast than that. So please, if you're listening, go give us a rating and or a review on iTunes. It helps us immensely as we want to keep the podcast going and attract advertisers. But today, there's no need to. Uh, no need to uh, dilly dally around before getting into it. There's just so many news and notes. There's actually probably stuff that's going to happen during the course of this podcast as, as it pertains to free agency. It's been a wild day already. How do we even get it started? Well, I would like to mention that I <laughs> just <it's> a dilly dally <laughs> that
1: uh, NFL pro timing days have started in earnest at the universities across the country as well with a couple of big ones. OU with the, with Joe Mixon's performance today, and, of course, we had a big Alabama Pro Day as well to kick things off uh, for that part of the draft calendar. So certainly uh, got a little draft talk we'll want to get into uh, later in the podcast. I got a few things on my mind I need to get off my chest as it relates to the NFL <laughs> draft. But, of course, first and foremost, free agency is off to a torrid start. As usual.
0: And it looks like Steve Smith has hopped into the game. Steve Schefter, as they're calling him. He broke the news on Tory Smith, just now breaking the news about the release of Elvin, El- El- Elvis Dumerville. He said, source, Ravens release Elvis Dumerville. <laughs> it's like, I think he's trying to take somebody's job.
1: couple of good football moves today. Uh, Tyrod Taylor is going to be staying in Buffalo.
0: Well, they've seen that Mike Lennon's getting paid this $15 million bucks, and they said, oh, Jesus.
1: And I think it's a good fit, too. With Rick Dennison, that's a guy who's going to want to move the pocket a little bit. You need a guy who can run that stretch play, uh, run the bootleg. Um, I think this is good news for the Buffalo Bills. I th- we think Tyrod Taylor's a pretty good player in the NFL.
0: Speaking of Rick Dennison, did you hear that Arian Foster tweeted that he could kill a wolf with his bare hands? I did see that. I I don't think he can. You know,
1: people are surprised to find out how big wolves, wolves are, are how in, big in real life. Are. Right, and it's much. They're just so much stronger than even a domesticated dog. Um, another really good football move. I just think this is a tremendous football move on so many levels. The New York Giants coming to terms first thing this morning with Brand, wide receiver Brandon Marshall. Uh, to put him on the outside, to start across Odell Beckham. I love this move for so many reasons. I know you were able to break down uh, the fantasy impact uh, for the guys over at and Fantasy Sports today.
0: Yeah, well, I just said I feel like Brandon Marshall coming off the worst season of his career last season. He wasn't even in the top 50 wide receivers. In standard leagues, only 6.4 points per game. But this is a situation. This is a big opportunity that he's coming into opposite Odell Beckham it's a better offense it's a clearly a much better quarterback it's an offense that could be prolific under a McAdoo we've seen a McAdoo offense be prolific with a with a good quarterback and some weapons surrounding him you know Marshall is 32 years old right now this is a two-year deal if you look at where he's Currently being drafted, his ADP right now in the earliest of my fantasy league uh, redraft contests is something ridiculous, like 140. I feel like that's going to shoot right up. People just weren't taking him because they didn't know where he was going to go. Maybe they thought he was going to retire, you know. So I think by the time redrafts start in earnest, he's going to be a ninth or 10th round pick, most likely. I don't think this does too much to Odell Beckham, fantasy wise. I think he remains a top three to six pick. I just don't think that. Marshall's going to be the huge volume hog in I guess for the New York Giants that he was for the New York Jets. And I also think that Odell Beckham's fantasy value is tied so largely to the big play. It's these quick slants he catches and takes to the house. It's not like he's a huge, you know, huge volume hog anyway, when you actually look at the top wideouts in the league, he's the one that gets the least targets of all of them. So his, his, his fantasy, uh, Outputs are so dependent on these big plays. They're not going to siphon those kinds of opportunities away from him. I think that the guy who gets the sneakiest most improvement here is possibly Sterling Shepard. Because if defenses have to pay attention on the outsides to Brandon Marshall, they have to pay attention on the outside to to, uh, Odell Beckham. They're going to have to give safety help over the top of Odell Beckham because they always do. What do we always say about Sterling Shepard coming out of Oklahoma? He's got the twitch. He's got the, abil- the ability with his feet to you know, run routes and create separation underneath, uh, to be able to do some things with some nice polish, already even coming out of a, a spread system in the Big 12. I just think with a year in the National Football League, the chance to hone and refine those skills, and now with all that attention being taken off of him, I think he might get peppered with volume and uh, like maybe really, really sneaky to look at in a PPR setup. If you do look at the My Fantasy League early ADPs right now, what do you think his his, his ADP is right now for the earliest of the early 2017 drafts are you asking about? in a PPR format, Sterling Shepard.
1: Um, I think it's probably, well, this is, I'm sure, does not have the Brandon Marshall news baked in, so it's probably some kind of fourth or fifth round ADP.
0: Yeah, fifth to sixth. So, do you think that the Brandon Marshall news helps him in the eye of the general public or hurts him in the eye of the general public? Do you think the general public says, oh, crap, Brandon Marshall's coming in. Steve, uh, Sterling Shepard doesn't get to be the number two wide receiver in New York next year. I value him less. How many people I, think, I think that? I think his
1: ADP is going to fall. Sterling Shepard had 683 yards, eight touchdowns last year on if 105 fall, targets.
0: If his ADP falls because of this, I'm going to love it even more. Yeah, I
1: think naturally, just because he only had 683 yards last year, there's some room for that number to go up. I'm not sure his targets are going to be able to increase as much as you might think. Eight touchdowns, I think that sounds about right. He should be open in the red zone. Marshall's going to get some of the red zone touches. I think it's Marshall's
0: going to get a bunch of the red zone yeah, touches. Yeah, it's just hard
1: for me to think there's enough targets to go around to really think that anybody's going to get a it's hard for me to think that Sterling Shepard is going to get a lot more than I 105 think having those targets. two guys
0: on the outside is going to provide matchups inside That's I gonna, this. I think it opens up for him,
1: targets. but Brandon Marshall's a pretty, you know, he's going to get a fair share of targets. I don't know. That'll be interesting. I think schematically, it's a wonderful football move. Schematically, it's good for Shepard. I'm not sure it can result in that move. Great for it's Eli. Great for Eli. I think it's good thing. for Eli. I love this move um, from a locker room perspective to bring a veteran with a. Uh, a good head on his shoulders in the mentor, Odell Beckham.
0: Well, uh, hold on. Are we saying by now that Brandon Marshall's got a good head on his shoulders? Oh,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: You know, I, I've absolutely. Had, I guarantee that's there part been people of the on reason on our Twitter that have, There have been people on our Twitter that have asked us, uh, or it could have just been in the comment section at Roster Watch. They were asking if bringing in a diva like that's going to hurt Odell.
1: Oh, I think they've got it wrong. I think they got it backwards. Hmm. And I bet you if you ask Jerry Reese, who's been on the uptick with his moves in free agency the last couple of years, uh, he'd tell you that they're absolutely bringing him in to try to get Odell Beckham under control a little bit. Um, and then I do believe this is the most complimentary set of wide receivers now in the league. The skill
0: sets, the size. We're talking I mean, about three I guys. I think it fits. A, it's a perfect fit. It's perfect. Because that's the thing is you want Sterling Shepard in the slot anyway. Absolutely. The uh, news is broken
1: in the last hour or two that it looks like the Cowboys are finally going to go ahead and just release quarterback Tony Romo. That should open up an avenue to Denver or Houston. It'll be interesting to see if there's any surprise players in there. I'm not sure what fantasy impact this has. But from a fantasy perspective, one thing we've been telling you is that it's six million to $8 million, as much as the Cowboys would like to keep Terrence Williams. It's just not going to be in the cards. That... Precipitated the move to re sign Bryce Butler for much cheaper today. That was a really smart move. Look for the Cowboys to draft a wide receiver. They're two going this to.
0: Year. They're going to. I'm starting to. We say it could be Cooper Cup with the cowboy on or the star on the side of his helmet, but I think it's just as much it could be Zay Jones.
1: Sure could be. Absolutely. And I would be sick. No, that was, those both of those guys would be really, really nice values in the draft that would fit very, very well opposite of Des Bryant. All right, let's get on with it here. I can't believe this bit of news. I mean, we've said all along if the Broncos are ever going to bring in Tony Romo, the first thing they got to do is shore up that, that offensive line. And how in the world with guys like Michael Schofield and Tyler Zambrilo that John Elway thinks that he's going to shore up his offensive line by sniffing around the
0: trash heap with – uh, Raiders offensive tackle, Minelik Watson. I can't believe that. Is he going to go after TJ? Clem- Is he going to trade for TJ Clemmings next? <laughs> What's he like? He's trying to round up the. He's like that's terrible. That was a huge mistake by Reggie McKenzie. That pick was terrible. Menelik, Minelik, he's got to be thirty by now, isn't he? He came into no. the league at age twenty six.
1: Oh yeah, well that
0: would be right. So I just, I don't know, man. I just, no, no. You don't he's, – he's terrible. You can bring a Tony Romo behind that offensive line. You deserve what's what's going to happen to you. The Lions are
1: sniffing around free agent right tackle Ricky Wagner.
0: Is there no chance they you bring back Russell Okun? Do they just not have the money or like
1: – Well, he's visiting – he is visiting with the Panthers uh, as well as – let me see here. The he's, Panthers
0: he, could use him.
1: Yeah, he's visiting with a few different teams. I think he's going to test the market. He he bungled that whole thing doing his own contract. Well, that's last why you year. don't
0: do your own contracts. Stay
1: in your lane, right? It says Russell Okung is Denver Denver 7 is reporting that Russell Okung is uh, connected to the Panthers and the
0: Giants. Looks like Denver has about 36 million in free space. They're right at the league average. It's exactly like they're between them and the New York Jets is where the league average falls at 33 million. So they have a little more cap space than at than the average team in the NFL. They don't need to be spending any free agent dollars on Menelik Watson.
1: Tell you which one I do like is that the Colts, and we really like Chris Ballard much more than Ryan Grigson. Chris Ballard from right down the road in Texas City. You can tell that guy steers. He runs a tight ship. Oh yeah, man. Now he is interested. He sniff. <laughs> he is sniffing around right guard Kevin Zeitler. As are the Jaguars and Browns. He's a good player? These are. This is a good player. Uh, these are teams with money to spend that need a big time help on the offensive line. You if- like
0: that? Things are shaping up for the Browns with a Joel Betonio, a Kevin Zeitler. I mean, that's that's not bad there for the interior. You know, interior. they've really
1: missed on Cam Irving. They might be able to move him back to center, which is really where his position was coming out of Florida State, I want to well, say. I can't
0: call that a miss on Cam Irving just yet. That's only had not been good. But it's only been – Two it, years. So it's been two years. That was, that, that was the – That hasn't le, been good. That was the L. Collins year, so that's been two now, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: The, the Cleveland Browns offensive line actually took a huge step back last year with losing Alex Mack. Alex Mack. Couple of those guys just got a little bit older, I believe. Uh, our good friend ESPN's Adam Kaplan, <laughs> the original Ryan Nassib truther, <laughs> the one and only. Uh, he reports that the interest may not be mutual between the Raiders and free agent to be or free agent running
0: back Adrian Peterson. Well, then they're being donks. Who do they want? Do they have their eye on somebody else in free agency or do they have their eye on somebody in the draft?
1: To me, it would seem like their plan is just to try to get a late round running back in the draft, keep this thing real low impact. I just think it's too good of a fit. I mean, I guess teams are going to have to evaluate. Do they just think that Adrian Peterson's done? I mean, what I can tell you is is that heading into last year, if you scouted 2015's tape, at least as far as his big play ability, Adrian Peterson, still looked like Adrian Peterson. So maybe he even can't do it down in, and down out. Adrian,
0: even if you're only getting 80, 85% Adrian Peterson, that's 80, 85% of a future Hall of Fame player. Which
1: I think is just fine with DeAndre Washington and Jalen Richard in the backfield. It's more hopefully, than just, fine. it's enough to
0: put them over the top in the AFC West. I'm
1: hoping this is just a dance that they're doing in Please free Please let it be. A dance. Yeah, because the Seahawks, there's no way they're a legitimate contender for Adrian Peterson. That one not And you can still, you can still
0: draft me. the running back of the future late in this draft class, or or just another guy
1: to add to the to the depth chart that you think you is. You get a
0: Kareem, I mean, I think Kareem Hunt's going to go in like the probably third oh, round. You know me, I think Deontay even, Foreman might go with third. You could round. get a Corey
1: Clement or a Davion Smith probably on day three, and those guys are good players. Those guys are good players. If you bring in somebody like an AP, this one's going to come down to money. The St. Bernard's sending signals that he's not about to pay this Oakland's got $6 40, million dollars they got that 43. Adrian Peterson... 2
0: million. They have big contracts coming up, though, for extensions that they're going to have due to Derek Carr, Khalil Mack. All I mean, the, the, they're going to have to pay the piper soon on those deals. I think
1: look for maybe $5 million a year uh, to Adrian Peterson. Well, we had the big discussion about it on the last podcast. It looks like the deal is... Close to done for Mike Glennon to the Bears. We'll have to see what that salary is actually
0: going to be. Did you see what Aaron Rodgers said when they asked him what he thought that fifteen fifteen million dollars to Mike Glennon for his contract? Oh, he he thinks it means thirty thirty five million. It's he said, be. "Does does that mean that you need to address your contract this this year's like twenty point three? It's scheduled to go next year to twenty one or something." He goes, "Oh yes, I think it definitely means." And like I tweeted on on Twitter at Roster Watch just earlier from from our shared account that Byron and I both 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 tweet from quite often if he's making 15 million and Aaron Rodgers is just making 20.3 million as this we keep talking about how this cap goes up and there's money to be made right now we see that Pierre Garçon I don't know if we got to that piece of news yet no pierre garçon to the 49ers 16 million no i don't think year. it's happened yet has yeah, it? it's being it's being reported that a deal is imminent uh, for 16 million that sounds like a huge in inflated the first year number. Yeah, I there's think no way. It seems like it. It seems like there the, is the no only. Way. Well, there is. If, if 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 it is, it sure says an awful lot about new GM John Lynch. I will say this: it could be that that thing might be. If that is the number of the numbers anywhere near there, it could be front loaded to where they just get all, get ahead of all the dead money. So if they want to release him, you know, at some point next year or as they continue to rebuild this football team, maybe they can for a lot cheaper. But the San Francisco 49ers have the second most cap space in the whole league. This is probably a good year to get on the front end of the contracts, not have anything on the back end for if you need to open it up later. They could be paying him that much. I don't know. Regardless, there's a lot of freed up cap space right now, Right. And so you got to think: if you're an Aaron Rodgers, if you're one of these guys that's signed a contract during an era where there wasn't this much cap space, yeah, you're going to go back and, and, and renegotiate. Whenever other guys, as a as a function of all this, the Mike Glennons of the world are getting paid fifteen million dollars. If he's getting paid fifteen million dollars, Aaron Rodgers deserves thirty million dollars. He's at least double the quarterback that Mike Glennon is, at least. We gave you the soundbite from the
1: combine of Dolphins head coach Adam Gaze on pins and needles just twisting in the wind about the future of Kenny Stills and his offense. Uh, Jason LaCanfore is reporting that the Dolphins are making a push to keep free agent Kenny Stills.
0: We've said, like, we've said that we've heard from sources from the very beginning that Kenny Stills might be more of a priority for those guys to keep than a lot of people think.
1: It's so funny, and look what the the blurb. they
0: hate Devonte Parker
1: and the blurb here on. They just have to hate him, the, and the blurb here it's so funny because we told you from the combine that they hated Devontae Parker, but also that they're not they're not that thrilled with Leonti Carew, and there's a lot of Leonti Carew truthers out there. Well, there's some other tidbits that kind of came across the wire that week that indicated that. They did like Parker, but maybe they felt like Carew that Carew was ready to take the step to the outside. And we said, "Oh no, no, no! That was not the implication or the takeaway from these discussions." And now that's coming seems to, to be the It's coming to roost. <laughs> the <laughs> agreement from the from the mainstream media now seems to be that Le- Leonte or Carew is not viewed as a player who's ready to contribute on every down in Miami, as we told you.
0: Horrible pick in dynasty. And just a guy who we didn't like much through the We crowd really process. didn't.
1: By the end, there was some Justin Blackman to his game. By the end, when you just But we never liked he, him. When through. he
0: realized how good his hands were. Yes, you, you had to give him some kind of but you know he didn't we check We hated any him boxes at the senior through, bowl. We didn't we, he didn't check any boxes through the process. To be honest, I don't if he was at the senior bowl, I don't even remember him. Yeah, that's why we were low on him. As,
1: yeah. as we said, everybody's talking about Leonti Carew. We've been ahead a whole week to see if he does anything. We haven't <laughs> yeah, noticed anything.
0: I mean, I, Malcolm Mitchell, Chris Moore popping has, off. He hasn't cracked my notes once, right?
1: Law Kenfor also reports that the Patriots, Giants, Jaguars, and Bills are all in on Martellus Bennett. I'd also heard the Raiders were maybe in on him. I actually thought that'd be a really nice signing.
0: He says see you later. He's not for the Raiders. Bel- Belichick's not going to have Martellus coming. He's come not going to be competing. He's not going to have some kangaroo court over Martellus damn Bennett. No way. Sure would
1: be interesting to see the Giants bring Martellus Bennett back. Now, if that happens, that really sinks your Sterling Shepard ideas, I think. You can't have all those guys.
0: Yeah, it would. And Sterling Shepard getting more volume. That would volume. sink my Sterling Shepard ideas. In my early kind of high exposure to him in NFL 10.
1: Maybe Eli Manning must... Still have some feelings for the black unicorn.
0: <laughs> I'd
1: hate to see him in Buffalo or Jacksonville. I mean, for Jacksonville, they hated a guy that couldn't block and Julius Thomas Martellus Bennett can really can block. block. I mean, schematically, that would fit what they're looking for, just not what we're looking for necessarily. Nah, just... Be good for Blake Bortles. I guess. Feels like Martellus Bennett would run amok. I guess it'd be under Tom Coughlin. What does that say? That Tom Coughlin maybe is still interested in, in Martellus Bennett and the Giants organization separately. Still, He must have had a good run there. must have left on good terms the first time he was with the, that group. Well, not a whole lot else trickling out quite yet. Did you have anything else on free agency what about, you to touch on? What
0: about Brian Hoyer? Interest from the Jets and the 49ers. Yeah, I said there wasn't much else in free agency. <laughs> okay, let's get to the wide receiver scorecard. Well, hold on. Are we getting to that before we talk NFL draft? I thought that – no, let's talk draft. All right, so what are we going to do? The What's The big news of well, the
1: day is Joe Mixon.
0: Okay, so here's the thing. Here, here's the schedule of the program again. Here with Byron Lambert, myself, Alex Dunlap. You can find all of our content at rosterwatch.com. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, please subscribe, give us a rating, give us a review on iTunes. The amount of reviews and the amount of ratings that we have right now is pathetic for the number of listeners that we have. So if you guys please can support us in that way, we certainly appreciate it. The other way you can support us is by getting a pro membership at rosterwatch.com. It costs less than a cheap cup of coffee. You will be the most informed fantasy owner, NFL draft fan, DFS degenerate, Dynasty League guy in your whole entire circle by going through this process with us at rosterwatch.com sign up is quick and easy again less than a cheap cup of coffee for all the maniacal work that we do please support us with a pro membership go to rosterwatch.com success to read testimonials from one just just a few of the thousands and thousands and thousands of, of winning members of our wonderful community our maniacal community again that's at rosterwatch.com also please make sure and subscribe Rate and review the podcast. All right, so oh, I have, oh, oh, all right, so what it is is it, it's NFL draft, and then we'll get the scorecard for the last segment. Yes, all right, NFL draft. Yeah, I have some
1: things on my mind here, and like we said, the pro day season has opened in earnest with big ones at Alabama and OU today. Uh, let's start with the news out of Alabama that linebacker Ruben Foster. Met with about twenty teams in <laughs> attendance prior to the beginning of the workout.
0: He's a guy you want to. He's, he's a guy that you need to meet with to. <laughs> if
1: you're an NFL team to squash the situation that happened at the combine. Apparently, you know the whispers coming out is that teams were satisfied with what he told them and don't really view it as a big deal. I, I found it interesting that Alex said it was maybe like you're letting a, a pit bull into into your family or into your locker room by bringing this guy into your organization.
0: It is. Hey, man, that pit bull, is, it's fine. It's fine 99% of the time. It's that 1% of the time that it lashes out and it bites a kid in the face and you end up at the hospital and you're like, why did I bring this thing around? He's been such an awesome dog otherwise. You know, guards the house, he, you know, he fetches the ball like he's the sickest dog I've ever seen fetching the, you know, fetching the ball and swimming or whatever else. You bring it into your house, you make it part of the family, part of the team, and you just never know when he's when a, like that's the way he plays. He plays like a pit bull, you know. Whenever you bring him in, you you got you got to be careful. And you know there was just too much about that situation at the hospital that other people could have handled it better. People who are not Reuben Foster handled it just fine. Todd Gurley got a little bit. Uh, on tilt at the hospital. Do you remember that? I don't. They were pulling on his knees and they were pulling on his legs and all this stuff. And all he did was he told them calmly not to touch him and that he'd wait for his agent and all this stuff. He was having just the same kind of situation and, you know, or even probably in even more like unsettling situation wherever they're actually pulling on him all all Re- reuben foster was having to do was was wait it was a, it was a pain in the ass he'd been taking taking taken a few hours for his mri and he was waiting like six seven more hours for the rest of his checkups so yeah it's something that's going to put you on tilt but it wasn't like a todd Gurley thing where honestly you could have seen i mean i could have seen him reacting to that by having maybe some sort of primal reaction and like punching somebody or, you know what I'm saying? Like somebody pulls on your knee that just got uh, surgically repaired and and it hurts. And just your first instinct is just to shove them away or, you know, have some kind of altercation like that. But he did not. He kept his calm. He said, nobody touch me until we get my agent here. You know, no one come like he handled the situation. Well, when he was on tilt, Ruben Foster, it was a violent player. He's a nasty, disgusting brutal savage out on the football field and he hasn't even played his first snap in the nfl and i've already heard of the first incident of him popping off on somebody for no good reason so yeah i mean you got to be a little bit worried if you're an nfl team you got to talk to him for one because he's one of the top three sickest players in this draft i find his tape to be absolutely mesmerizing when i watch it i love it but the other reason you have to talk to him is you have to see man is this you know is this kid a fuck-up are are, are are we gonna bring him in and and are we gonna bring him in and all of a sudden it's some kind of Greg Hardy or some kind of weird you know some kind of weird deal we're gonna have a a a a, a public relations nightmare on our hands. Ruben Foster, I believe, his grew up with a fugitive dad who shot and killed
1: his mom when he was about eighteen months old. Can imagine probably uh the tumultuous upbringing for him nonetheless well, that certainly a, sucks. a vicious uh, vicious linebacker one of the absolute best pure prospects in this draft uh i thought that was no and let me be no clear worthy. i'm not
0: like i'm not saying the guy doesn't deserve a chance but i'm saying we you, you need to this needs thorough thorough vetting is he the best
1: linebacker we've seen on tape since luke keekley yes. a different linebacker yes
0: yes, yes.
1: He, he might be better than keekley are we ever going to be able to tell the story on the podcast about what Tony Romo does in his practice jerseys? No, never. On to OU Pro Day. Uh, I to- i have told Alex a long time speaking ago. Of
0: viol- speaking of violence, um, not necessarily criminality. We, you know, Ruben Foster didn't do anything criminal, but Joe Mixon certainly on tape. You know, pounding the bejesus out of a small woman, knocking her just clean out. As I told Alex a long time ago, when the four fours start
1: getting peeled off, these transgressions start getting swept under the rug quickly <laughs> by NFL teams. It was just six short weeks ago. I think he was telling me Joe Mixon was there was an agreement, a secret agreement amongst NFL teams that this guy would not be drafted. We left the combine knowing that there was at least a handful of teams who certainly are the Lions very interested. They made it very clear uh, in Mixon. So basically, the fallout from today's pro day is he put up numbers at pro day that compared favorably to Zeke Elliott in every single measure. He was, he weighed a every little. single
0: hand time measures yeah. compared to Zeke's laser time.
1: Yeah. And, and look, we talk about it all the time. These pro day numbers are generous, but nonetheless, he blew pro day out today. And I got to tell you, I mean, Alex has been telling me for a long time that if it wasn't for being such a dirt ball, this is a player we'd like an awful lot. I've had to go back and continue Watching some Joe Mixon tape, and I mean, what Alex has said all along, you know, it's very hard to debate that this guy is a dazzling David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell. I think the most conservative comp I could come up with was C.J. prosize and he's a little smaller than Mixon at 228. I, I, I'm to the. There is a strong, strong argument that this is the number two running back in this draft, Joe Mixon. And especially after the combine numbers, the very poor combine that Dalvin Cook had.
0: Well, that's the thing about Dalvin; his combine, his combine hurt him a little bit. Deon, no one's seen, no one knows what to say about Deontay Foreman. His won't be until March twenty fifth. I don't really consider. I don't know. I don't consider Christian McCaffrey in the consideration to be at the very top of that list. I, I see Alvin um Alvin Kamara, Kamara uh being in the top 5ish kind of guys yeah, but not in the elite discussion. I, I can't see putting him up there at number 2 as far as just yeah, as far as pure football player, pure prospect, I've been, like I've, I've been saying it for this whole yeah. year. I mean, Joe Mixon has a Joe Mixon has a dirty dirty skill set. Yeah, teams aren't going to pass on that guy. Can you believe what Oklahoma had in him and P. Ron on the same football team?
1: No, I mean there's there's a real real argument for Joe Mixon being the number. I mean I you know there's people that argue he's the number one back in the class. I can't I don't. We have a lot of work. To I don't do. hate we, that we, evaluation. We have,
0: we have more evaluation to do, and we also have more of our analytics we have to put into our formula, and we have to get it all together and bake down. Well, I'll say this: what that led me down the rabbit hole of doing. But was, Joe Mixon's going to be much higher ranked, I believe, by roster watch, and I'm comfortable with because I just because th- I think he's such a huge dirt ball. Now.
1: That led me down the rabbit hole of then having to go back and watch a bunch more Dalvin Cook to see what's this stuff that we're seeing at the Combine? How's this translating to what we're seeing on the field? And, you know, you can tell in some instances that maybe he's not got... His feet maybe aren't as quick as somebody's like Mixon's in a few circumstances. Uh, but at the end of the day, you watch Dalvin Cook just over and over again in the... Produ- the fact is you just don't want to outsmart outsmart with yourself with this guy the whole key with dalvin cook this is what teams are going to be asking themselves because you watch the tape he, he's it's incredible in college he shows you everything you need to see the whole question is can the big plays translate to the nfl can he is he going to be able to have that speed out run those linebackers those safeties get to the edge get upfield down the seam get the separation that he's been getting in college and make the huge plays because that's what his game is going to come down to. If he's not capable of reeling off those huge plays like, you know, you go watch the Clemson tape and it's just like three monster touchdowns after he's been kind of banging on them all game, you know, for a couple yards here and a couple yards there, and he makes these this dynamic plays that are just mind-blowing – he you know you're going to have to project that he is going to be able to make those plays. And I mean I I'm very comfortable with them. I'm starting to feel Dalvin Cook though is going to be more of a mid to late first rounder. Um which is I think going to be very very good news for some team, but I I leave I left that evaluation thinking I got a probably a 2A and a 2B situation here with Cook and Mixon. And then finally, the last thing is you say, okay, now that I've watched these and these guys are incredible, do I have to go back and just watch a little more Leonard Fournette just to make sure? And boy, you are quickly reminded that it is a Jadavian Clowney. It is a LeBron James with Leonard Fournette. It's too sick. Don't do Don't not outsmart your yourself. Self. I've been
0: telling you this whole time whenever Dalvin Cook was 1.01 ADP in Dynasty and we're just like, this is going to change. If it doesn't change, good for us, good for Roster Watch Nation. When the dynasty cheat sheets come out, we are all going to be living high on the hog because we get the absolute epic beast and the monster.
1: Yeah, and what I mean by the Jadavion Clowney, if if you've not seen it, you need to go Google Jadavion Clowney's high school football highlights, (laughs) and it's literally like a video game, a man amongst boys situation. It's
0: it's up there with the Allen Iverson high school football highlights.
1: (laughs) All right, a couple more things here on the draft before we get to wide receivers. You guys know I've been beating it up for UNC wide receiver Ryan Switzer. I talk about him on every podcast. I've noticed him at every turn throughout this draft process. He scored well on our aforementioned wide receiver performance scorecards from are, inside are, Lucas Oilfield. Are, or are
0: to be discussed. Pro content that we're going to be giving you a, a glimpse behind the curtain regarding in just a minute.
1: So, you know, I've been noticing him in all these settings, the senior bowl, the combine, our performance scorecards, our catapult measurements. He was through the roof. And then I talked to his roommate that's working out with him at their whatever performance facility, George, tied in George Kittle, who had a monster himself at the combine. He says, Ryan Switzer's the hardest worker he's ever met. And then I go to Alex I say, well, that that adds up because he had the highest workload of, of any receiver, basically, throughout the week of senior bowl practice. And
0: that was from the, d- the data that we collected for Roster Watch Nation that's available to our pro subscribers, where we just – it's maniacal effort. We recorded every explosive movement. We recorded every movement that they took, total workload, max velocity, et cetera, for every player at the entire senior bowl. So, you know,
1: and then you've got, so, so we're seeing a lot of agreement here so far in the process on Ryan Switzer, at least I really am. And, uh, You know, then you got the ACC homers that we've been telling you. Just they ring it, they ring in, they tweet you, they tell you Ryan Switzer's the goat. And so I'm finding the point like I need to go watch some tape on Ryan Switzer. What did he really look like like in college? So I went to Draft Breakdown, and I just pulled. I said, let me find like a difficult matchup. Let's find a good team that he's playing against and see what happens. So I pulled up Florida State 2016, and I I mean Ryan Switzer went ham on Florida State. He he. He went so big against he, Florida State. He goes
0: ham in a couple games because some of the games I've seen, he's going big. This kid is an
1: incredible slot receiver. I mean, I think of him totally in a Patriots type mold. I, honestly, I think he's a guy that if the Saints, he's not the exact same player. I think he's a guy the Saints could actually replace like a Brandon. A lot of Brandon Cooks production with, with just like a middle round draft. You know, a middle round draft pick. For sure. And then last but not least here. Another thing coming home to roost. Boy, and, and, been, an idea I've, floated by I've, roster I've watch is to roost? I've just been waiting for this one. No, I've been meaning to talk about this on the podcast for a while. So, you know, we can't always toot our own horn. I was But we tend to. After the first national championship game against Alabama. Oh, this is the Deshaun Watson talk? Finally, <laughs> we're going to have it. Man, I saw a player that was so good in that first national championship. Just, a, you know, not quite the size or ath- athletic prowess of a Vince Young, but he really put it on him from an athletic perspective with his feet on the ground. But I saw a player that was so much of a better passer, a proficient, prof- proficient precise passer, and I said, this guy is the truth, right? Deshaun Watson is a stud. And then Nick Saban comes out and says that Deshaun Watson is the Uh, the scariest football player that he's gone against since Cam Newton. And so I tweeted out that this thing was shaping up that if for Deshaun Watson, you know, 15 teams in the league need a quarterback. This thing's shaping up for Deshaun Watson to be a monster at the top around one after guys like Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. These teams are giving up huge bounties to trade up for those guys. I said, we're going to have another RG3 situation on our hands here. Well, then the season goes on. We have a little inconsistency from Watson in the pocket. The momentum seems like his draft stock is kind of dropping throughout the season. Then we circle back, and we have the, the monster national championship game. And if you had told me when I tweeted, hey, he's, he's going to go out and beat Alabama in the national championship game and outdo what he did last year, I would have said, man, I'm, I'm definitely on to something here. That still didn't do the trick. We leave the national championship game, and people are talking about Deshaun Watson falling out of the first round. Mike and I'm like, Mayock what saying in that the th- hell is going Mike on? Mayock here? And
0: everybody in and their dog saying there's no ready-made starter in this class. You know, the only one that we've heard say it is John Lynch, who said who just who, I mean, looks like he's about to pay Pierre Garcon $16 million, and he's been in NFL GM for about a, a week. <laughs> he's the only one who said that he really likes this quarterback class and that you know, there were traits that he saw in not only. Deshaun Watson, but also in a few of these guys that he thought were, you know, down... I think he used the word downright special. And to me, here's what I saw in Deshaun Watson. You guys, it's not like we... It's, it, it isn't like these are new eyes that are watching these guys or with the people we can't compare them to. We have been inside Lucas Oil watching every throwing session for the last six years. So, we've seen it from the... I mean, we've seen it from even Russell Wilson's class and like RG3 and those guys to... I mean to the Derek Carr's, to the Blake Bortleses, to the you know, I mean, I can't even you know, everybody since everybody since the twenty twelve draft we have seen throw inside Lucas Oil and Deshaun Watson throws a beautiful football. He 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 lays it in there. He like he his his his, his time you know his timing and his rhythm, just even in his even in his drop back, the you know the way that he gets the the way that he gets the football out, the way it sounds coming out of his hand, and then just the touch on it, on the deep ball especially, and and you just notice this whenever you're like doing like what we're doing with what we're about to talk about the wide receiver uh, on field testing scores. We got on tilt with group four because the quarterbacking was so bad that we didn't get to see these guys extend to the football. We didn't get to see, see the footballs put in the right place to allow them to win and. A, 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 put them in good situations, because the quarterbacks were no good in that group. I believe Deshaun Kaiser was in that group. I don't consider him in the same class as I consider Trubisky or Watson. Trubisky looked really, really nice throwing the ball, too. When, whenever we got to see Deshaun Watson, that looked like... A, that. It looked better than Jared Goff. Oh, yeah. It looked, it he looked, looked better it, than all these guys. Like better than Mariota. And I'm, just, and I'm just starting to wonder. I'm like, how are, we, are we talking about Jared Goff as a guy who we're going to trade away the whole farm to go up and go get. And now all who, of a sudden Deshaun who,
1: who, Watson is the second not, rounder. He just went to back-to-back national championships. Not the
0: quarterback wins is a huge thing that we're going to use in our analysis. Not the statistics are huge things that we're going to use in our analysis. But the guy has kind of shown he's a winner. I hate to do it after saying, you know, wins are a team statistic. But, I mean, quarterbacks are the most important player on the team. And they kind of lead the team to, to do things offensively and score points and win. And so you didn't even have any of that stuff with Jared Goff. You have a kid who's actually physically the same size or bigger who has, seems to have a better arm. And as far as the touch, the accuracy, everything that I can tell is like a better quarterback. And so I just don't see all, all this talk about him falling out of the first and about how, about how he's going to um, you know, not be ready day one. I don't think any quarterback's ready day one to come play in the National Football League. I think they're And guys- I,
1: I certainly think he can. I certainly think he can if he has to. But, yeah, like Alex said, he's not. nobody's ready on day one. He was dropping it in the bucket. Here's the thing. This is why I've always liked Deshaun Watson. Just go Watson. back
0: and watch the combine well, drills. It's,
1: he's incredible. His capabilities. So I think it's an interesting discussion. The discussion's about accuracy, which to me entails two primary things. you got to be consistent, but you have to have the ability to be precise. So what I've seen from day one with Deshaun Watson is a guy who can be very precise with the football. He can throw the ball just where it needs – to be to avoid zone coverage. He can throw the ball just where he needs to be on a, on any kind of back shoulder fade. He can throw the ball where it needs to be for the the uh, player to catch the football and just run immediately. I mean, I've seen this time and time again where we've seen some inconsistency though, and that's led to the accuracy issues. And what I'll say at the combine is he was dropping in the bucket effortlessly with guys he's never thrown with before. But what I did see, and I think this is where the problem lies and I think he's gonna get this fixed up, is that the ball doesn't quite come out on time when his back foot hits the ground, and I think they're going to clean that up in the NFL. That's one area uh, that we'll see him improve. Garnish. Nonetheless, he, he had a great, on the state. He had a great combine. He came in at over at a little over hair over six two, which was huge for him. Weighed in at two twenty, which is huge for him. And where I was going with this is now it's trickling out of the combine that his interviews were. He was as he, his interviews were so impressive that there are people saying that he knew as much about football as Peyton Manning did during his combine interviews. They're they're starting to call him like a football savant, a football genius. His mastery of the game, his understanding of it, his knowledge of it. So the guy
0: weighs two twenty one. He's got uh, he's got nine and three quarters inches. Not so, you know among the biggest hands, and he had the second fastest forty. So them saying he,
1: now them now them coming out saying he was a football genius on par with Peyton Manning in these interviews. To me, this tells me that this thing is coming back to where it was. Somebody I don't,
0: needs to trade up into the top 10 to get I it. I think it,
1: I'm starting to feel like this is top 10 pick again. Now, yes. maybe
0: it's not going to be the RG3
1: bounty I thought it look, was going to be. No, no,
0: look, roster watch as usual. Our listeners love us because we're always out ahead of the curve on stuff like this. That's the way it's going to start to trend again. You guys wait and see. And it might not just be him, it could also be Mitch Trubisky here with Byron Lambert. Alex Dunlap, the Roster Watch podcast brought to you by Rosterwatch.com. If you're listening on iTunes and this is your first time listening, please subscribe so you can have the podcast there. Push right to your iPhone. Uh, if, if you're a listener and you enjoy the podcasts and you have not given us a rating or a review yet on Stitcher or iTunes, please go ahead and do so. Um, it, it would really mean a lot to us. Also, get a pro membership at rosterwatch.com. It costs less than a cheap cup of coffee. Uh, uh, unlock access to all of our content. Unlock access to us. If you have a question for us about your dynasty leagues, about your favorite teams, about anything that we're seeing or hearing, you can ask us in the comments section of any pro article at rosterwatch.com. Again, with uh, Byron Lambert here with Alex Dunlap, the trash man also frequently. Um, seen hanging out in the roster watch comment sections giving just the shittiest advice let's move on to the wide receiver scorecards uh, one of our most important pro materials of the whole entire year went live yesterday these are the wide receiver scorecards from indianapolis as mentioned we've been there live inside lucas oil for the last six years grading maniacally every rep taking by every wide receiver we started last year uh, taking it with a, uh, a, a special formula between the two and three of us, Byron Lambert, myself, and Mike Band. Uh, whenever we did that, you take the average from each route from the score that's based on a Linkert scale of one to five, going from deficient to elite. That is for each route. The average is taken, and then the overall grade is calculated by taking the sum of all those averages when combining each each route. So... You look at it. There's some real w- weird names at the very top. We've already gone over
1: scorecard one.
0: Scorecard one, which was group four, and I guess this is a little bit different because we're going to be looking at the whole entirety of the scorecard. Well, I think Mike sent me
1: just group two. I could. You want me to pull that one up as well?
0: Yeah, if, if, we, if we could pull up group two, that'd be good because I do believe that Victor, I believe that Victor Bolden, yes, Cooper Cup, KD Cannon, those were all guys in group one correct
1: yeah here's here's by group yeah group one ended with wide receiver 29 all right so okay wide receiver 30 exactly we have group two right here
0: so victor bolden a guy we talked about last week he and cooper cup actually ended up tied atop the leaderboard for the whole entire uh, whole entire whole entire week it looks like their best routes Uh, Victor Bolden, his best route was the out route and the curl route. We always love to look at the quick slant to see how players did there. We feel like it's a real explosive route. They can generate a lot of yards after catch. Uh, Victor Bolden did edge out Cooper Cup there by an actually a very decent margin. Cooper Cup's quick slant was something that we saw as just teetering on the edge of average where we saw Victor Bolden's somewhere between Good and bordering pretty close on excellent. Uh, so Victor Bolden, somebody to keep an eye on. Uh, like we talked about last week, his mock draftable comps are terrible. Uh, his top mock, mock draftable comp is Ace Sanders. When you look at it, he's only five foot eight, one seventy eight. Uh, he's got the nine inch hands and the thirty one and an eighth inch arm. The forty was a lot slower than you expect for a guy that you've seen think so explosive like that at four point five four. Yeah, I'm going to – this is this always
1: leads to a lot more evaluations.
0: Yeah, we talked about how much we liked Cooper Cup and how much we liked KD Cannon. Those guys are right there at the very top of the list as well as far as overall. So KD Cannon, like we talked about in the last podcast, but I want to keep hammering it in now. This is time to get our radar up on him. You know, he's been on our – he's been on Rosterwatch's radar, particularly Byron's radar since he was a sophomore in college. There was clearly something he saw at that time. Uh, We've heard from trainers close to KD Cannon who've worked with him since he was like an eighth grader that he is a freak. Uh, They did not even run a whole route tree at Baylor, and he came into the Combine, and he wowed us as people who've seen uh, the last six years of these receivers running drills at the Combine and seen some very good ones. For him to rank in the top three of our evaluations on a completely blind evaluation – uh, whenever he didn't run a whole route tree in college, shows that he is tr- brimming with pro- potential and he's a fast learner in his training. So, KD Cannon, who came in at 5'11", even 182, and he has the four-four-one forty to go with it, certainly we need to keep him in mind as, as just a, a player coming forward that we need to we'll, – we, let's just put it this way. Roster Watch will be at that pro day. We, we need to get film of him running more routes and we'll get it out to all of Roster Watch Nation there in the pro section. All right, scorecard
1: are from session two. You any guesses who our number one wide receiver was? I know somebody's going to be very disgustingly happy.
0: I think it, our number one on 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 average.
1: Yeah, but our between your your our average, you and me, our scores. I think
0: it's this guy Isaiah
1: McKenzie from Georgia. It's actually tied at number one. I was going uh, to start to much chagrin. With a And M wide receiver Josh Reynolds, not that
0: much to grim. We we like him too, and you know I just what? hate when the trash man is He's right, right, and he was right. We we should have had Josh Reynolds on the All Senior Bowl team over Taewon Taylor. I just or I, Ryan I think Switzer. It, I'll still
1: bang the drum for him. But that's I get fine.
0: it. I get it. But here's the thing. I was I was re, I was going through my rankings again, my post combine rankings that we use internally. Just because as we do our work, our evaluation work on these prospects, what I like to do is I like to not only get kind of a a uh, consensus ranking about people in the industry are all kind of looking at these players that I can look at and sort of see how the how the shape of it is or how they're kind of moving or trending on industry boards as, as we get more information. But I also keep my own because I want to know during the course of this process as you know, editor in chief at Roster Watch, like I, I I read every bit of content that Byron and the Trash Man and Band and all the rest of our contributors turn in. I do my own evaluation work, and so whenever I do you know, after I, after I get one of our pieces up and I, and I push it live to the website, I always go into the sheet and add that player into the sheet and I slot him where I think, while he's fresh on my mind, where I think he needs to be, you know? And this was the first time when I did my refresh post-combine where I had to get, in my personal rankings, Josh Reynolds over Taewon Taylor. And, it, and it, it, it hurt badly because there was a time at the Senior Bowl when I banged the drum for Taewon Taylor over Josh Reynolds to be our third wide receiver in uh, after Cooper Cup and Zay Jones. And looking back, I wish it could have been Josh Reynolds. Trashman was right. I still hate him. He's a disgusting piece of human trash.
1: Well, that's why this is a process. And what it's did Josh a fluid Reynolds? One. Josh Reynolds what came in at best six foot six oh, foot two. You know the best route well, he's was good. Everything down it's the field, post corner, post corner. He was his quick slant was pretty good. His over the shoulder route was his good. His go route was good. Anything where he's yeah. got to move, he's pretty good. That's why I was looking at his forty here. He ran four five two, jumped thirty seven inches in the vertical. At six foot two and seven eight, so he's basically six, six three, three. one ninety four. Nine and a half inch, nine and three eight inch inch hands. So, you know, pretty good broad jump. See, he'll see what his three cones in his shuttle were. Six eight three and four one three. I'll tell you right now, those are both above average times. Josh Reynolds really checking the boxes throughout the process here. Showed out much, much better than his
0: Aggie teammate ricky seals jones 37 inch vertical out of josh reynolds hey you got you you can't forget he broke all of mike evans records so something to keep in mind about josh reynolds he's he's doing everything he can to check boxes through this process i'm beginning to see him more as a late second round sort of uh, prospect and 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 dynasty rookie draft i think that sounds about right hey by the way i meant to ask
1: you earlier what would you give up in a rookie dynasty draft for brandon marshall
0: Brandon Marshall, yeah. you could give you could get him for peanuts.
1: I'd give up You a, think so? Yeah. Well, I think that's a good trade then. A
0: third rounder? If I got a roster I'm trying to win with, yeah. Yeah, if you got a win now roster, you give you could give up a late third, for him. I don't think I'd give up an early. There's still I see good players in these mock drafts still going at the top of the third. Seems like around 3.04 is where there's a drop off.
1: I think I'd be more than happy to give up a third rounder. All right, our number 2 receiver actually tied right there. With Josh Reynolds, is Georgia wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie came in at five foot seven and a half, 173 pounds. Like we always say, the smaller guys have an opportunity to show really, really well in these on-field performance drills, uh, just kind of running routes uh, amongst cones. He did post a 4'4", 240, but he tied with Josh Reynolds. And honestly, when I look at his scores, Isaiah McKenzie was just consistent. Across, he was consistently good on every route, which means that he got in and out of his cuts. It means he
0: caught all the footballs. He looks like he was he was consistent in college too. He, he played in all thirteen games, led the team in uh, you know receptions, receiving yards, receiving touchdowns. He's also the fourth leading rusher. So he's a guy who they look to get on you know they look to get on the field any possible way that they could. It's just you know you'd like for a guy who's that, that small. You know, you I'd kinda of like the I think I, what what was his forty time
1: well, four four two and then oh, he ran six, okay, so yeah, that he that forty ra- time's fine. And he certainly ran above average three cone and twenty yard. The guy I mean, I would say part of the reason he was did well is he the guy can move. Yeah, so those b- guys that can move out there it's it pretty evident.
0: Between Isaiah between Isaiah McKenzie and Victor Bolden, I'm willing to bet that next year one of those guys is gonna be like running back kick returns and like getting the ball on their hands and sweet, sweet speed sweeps and stuff.
1: A couple of unheralded potential trash men we'll have to assign uh to do some dirty work on.
0: Then coming up next, basically out of that group, ranking in the top ten overall. Is Darius, your boy, your boy Ryan Switzer, who is tied actually with another guy from that group, I believe. In you're missing Darius Rogers. Oh, Darius Rogers. Darius Rogers second, with a
1: thirty four point monster. Who was actually
0: ahead of Ryan Switzer? Yeah, Darius Rogers out of USC. He's, he's compi- and he's a big old kid too for uh, to you know to to be able to show like this in this kind of setting. Was he the one with the huge hands? Yeah, big mitts. Big mitts, we call them. See, we do this thing blind. All we look at is their numbers. We don't know who the kids are. We don't want to go in with any preconceived notions. This guy ended up just above Zay Jones for us and just underneath Carlos Henderson and Josh Reynolds, both guys who we loved a whole lot. You can listen to the last podcast about my breakdown on Carlos Henderson, but I see him as an Emmanuel Sanders meets Michael Crabtree and the best route runner that I've personally evaluated so far in this entire draft class. Darius Rodgers is six foot one, 216, with ten and an eighth, ten and an inch hands,
1: horrible athletic measurables. But that's what all the questions at the podium during media session at the combine were to him. Is everybody saying, "Hey, do you like the comparisons to Anquan Bolden? This and this and that about your athletic measurements, yada yada yada." So this is a kid I'm going to have to really go back and watch. Uh, I think
0: the one interesting thing about him is the is the comparison to Anquan Bolden and the strength and flexibility. Needed to be an Anquan Bolden. You know what I mean? To be able to twist through the upper part of your body and to be able to frame footballs and to be able to extend out in contested situations and have strong hands to to catch the footballs in contested situations and bring them in. Whenever I look at the uh, 2017 wide receiver combine workout rankings that you can get right now with a pro membership at rosterwatch.com and just go across and look where he excelled, he excelled mostly Darius Rogers from USC in the gauntlet. He ran it between, he, he ran both of his gauntlet drills at a level between outstanding and elite when, when taking the average and what is the gauntlet that is running it? that is trying to run in a straight line that is twisting, adjusting to footballs, framing them nicely, seeing them in concentration and, and, and uh, staying, staying the course. And so, when he says he's an Anquan Bolden, that is a drill that functionally a guy like Anquan Bolden should be very good at. I think it really says a lot about him and you know, and how that attribute is, is going to show itself functionally at the NFL level.
1: Well we got a lot of work to do on him. Looks like he's a four year player at Southern Cal, uh, finished his senior year last year with fifty six receptions for six hundred and ninety six yards and only four touchdowns. So really not a whole lot of production, I mean, his career totals are fourteen hundred eighty seven yards on hundred and twenty seven receptions and eleven touchdowns. There's a guy who's who put bigger numbers than that up in one season gonna have to do our work on Darius Rogers, but that's an interesting one, and he was drawing quite an attention at the media day, so there might be something here.
0: How many more of these guys we gonna highlight? We can't give away the whole we can't give I think away just the, whole the top
1: team. five. I think you finished him out. I think you said Switzer comes in next to the thirty three point three.
0: Yeah, so basically in the... What Mike Williams right behind the, him. What you would consider kind of the, the... Yeah, you consider these guys... Well, no, and also... Uh, Fred Ross and Mike Williams right
1: behind him. Oh,
0: uh, also... Oh, but Ke- was Kevin Lucas in the first group? I think he was. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so those guys. Mike, Mike Williams. Mike Williams. Ryan Switzer. Ryan Switzer. And who was the other one that I just said? Fred Ross. Fred Ross. It's it's funny about Fred Ross from Mississippi State. He did not flash to me at all at the Senior Bowl. Maybe once or twice. Any any memorable Fred Ross moments for you from the Senior Bowl? No, I'm surprised
1: to find out that he weighs 213 pounds. Though he ran four five one. I don't know. We're going to have to – I mean, this always brings up more evaluations. I'm going to have to watch more Fred Ross.
0: I, I mean, my notes from Fred Ross at the Senior Bowl were that he – like there were times that he had trouble with his hands and that he had, and that he had trouble separating from good corners. And this – the one thing that this doesn't show is their, their ability to separate from the good corners. Well, Whenever, what he did is he blew up our
1: favorite route. If he blew up – He blew up the quick slant. Well, if he blew up the quick – oh, He did. He might have had the best score of any So, yeah, we need run, to go back like. and
0: watch more Fred Ross. Maybe we need to get him up because I've been buried on my rankings currently. I'm going to need to get him above the Traven Durals and guys like this. Traven who Just a pitiful him. performance throughout the Just NFL. Just all around. For a guy who looked so good a couple
1: years ago in college.
0: Anything to say about uh, Mike Williams? Thoughts on yeah, his overall Mike Williams
1: scored pretty well for me. I mean, we always say it, the bigger guys have a little trouble scoring high on this. They look a little stiff out there in and out of their routes this is a plenty good finish. He basically out of 52 wide receivers that participated his overall score put him in the top 25%. That's plenty good to um uh, in, it puts in him correspondence in the with kind of tier yeah, in correspondence with his t- it's and all I need. The thing
0: is if you look at his best route, post corner, he yeah.
1: he he ran that at an outstanding to elite level. It's plenty of confirmation for his tape, and you know, I know a guy who scored really high for me that I see really close there. I'm going to have to go back to and watch Bobo Wilson at Florida State. Um, but, yeah, this thing rounded out the top five with my boy Ryan Switzer checking the boxes every single step of the way here. And I'll say this, too. When you go watch your Ryan Switzer tapes, you get a chance to watch Mitch Trubisky. It's kind of a two-for-one, and you'll be impressed with Trubisky.
0: And there you have it. That is your homework assignment, ladies and gentlemen. As we round up, podcast number seven of the roster watch podcast here with byron lambert and alex dunlap again go to rosterwatch.com get a pro membership it costs less than a cheap cup of coffee if you're listening to this on itunes rank it review it the same thing goes for stitcher for byron lambert i am alex dunlap we will see you next time